Hi there. So welcome to Model 3, Professional Responsibility and Liability. In this model, what we want to look at is to discuss the issue about fraud and errors and the responsibility of management to fraud and error and the responsibility of management or the auditors also to fraud and error. Also, we're talking about what we mean by professional liability. Remember in the introduction I told you that the auditor is liable to the audit opinion or is liable to uh, anyone who relies on the audit report that is issued on the decision. But we have to decide where that liability thing comes in. So these are what we want to discuss here. The responsibility of the auditors on fraud and errors and their management on fraud and error. Then we will also consider the auditor's liability in relation to uh, the audit report that is issued. Because remember, the audit report that is issued, we said it, we use judgment. So the audit report being issued, it's a reasonable assurance and not uh, uh, an absolute assurance. So when, someone's rely, when someone relies on that audit report and makes any investment decision or uh, sell his, his or her shares in a company, then uh, we would have to be liable for any mistake or anything that goes wrong. So for instance, if you issue another report and said everything was okay in the financial statement and just three months after you issued the other report, the company uh, is bankrupt and has to be liquidated, then we need to ask what kind of other report did you issue? Didn't you report about the going concern status of the company? Because in advance auditing, one of the key things you need to understand is that after you audit on a financial statement or after you audit a company, you need to also report on the going concern status of the company. That is the ability of the company to operate successfully in the next 12 months. So if after three months of issuing the audit report, the company is bankrupt and has to file for uh, uh, or has to be liquidated, then the people who rely on the audit report would have to question you. And these are one of the things that, this is one of the things that is affecting the big audit clients in India, in Malaysia, and US about these kind of issues. So you people rely on the audit report, then now that audit report does not really represent the true nature of the organization. So we want to discuss these issues because they are key to what we are going to be discussing. So let's begin with a professional responsibility relation to, in relation to fraud and errors. But what is a fraud and what is an error? Fraud comprises both the use of deception to obtain an unjust or illegal financial advantage and intentional misrepresentation affecting the financial statement by one or more individuals among management employees or third parties. So when we talk about fraud, we are talking about two things. A deception that is used by management or employees of the organization to gain illegal or unjust advan financial advantage over somebody or an intentional misrepresentation affecting the statement, the financial statement that is prepared by management. So for instance, if the sales department decide that, okay, they came together with the head of the sales department, they came together and there is a particular sales that has been made to a third party and the products for the organization is sold for, let's say, um, $100,000 and they sell that product to the person for $80,000 and say that we haven't sold anything to you, we didn't sell anything to you. 
and they take that money and they don't represent that in the financial statement but they write off that debt as let's say uh, destruction or that that inventory has been destroyed then that means that intentionally they are going to what uh, misrepresent the financial statement if instead of the things have been sold they will recall that the things have been destroyed so they are going to get that money that those kind of activities are what we call fraud. Remember, fraud can be taken or can be undertaken among management, it can occur among employees, or even it can occur between the employees of the company and even third parties, like the illustration that I just made in relation to that. Now, fraud also is an intentional act by one or more individuals among management, those charged with governance, employees, or third parties involving the use of deception to obtain an unjust or illegal advantage now so when we are auditing our financial statements we need to look we, when we are auditing the financial statement as auditors we need to assess and look at the fact that uh, it would there be any fraud or error in the financial statement so we have what we call the fraud risks fraud risks are simply the factors or events or conditions that may indicate an exception or pressure to commit fraud or provide an opportunity to commit fraud. So, are there any factors uh, or events in the organization that may indicate, that may put pressure on people to commit fraud? So, for instance, if the uh, CEO of the company or the board of directors of the company, they are promised by the shareholders that they are going to be giving uh, a share ownership that is share based payment they are going to give them share option or share appreciation rights and so because of that they speak with the chief accountant of the company and said prepare the financial statement this way don't do depreciation on assets don't make these expenses don't uh, disclose these provisions so that the profit of the company will be huge that so if there is anything like that in the organization these events and conditions may lead to what we call fraud within the organization. So as auditors, we need to look at these things in relation to whether we can detect some fraud in our audit. Errors, on the other hand, are unintentional mistakes in financial statements, including omissions of amount or disclosure. So fraud is intentional act, but errors are unintentional acts and it includes, for instance, maybe you, you calculated the depreciation on property, plants, and equipment, and the depreciation is, let's say, 5,000, but when they were writing or when they were typing, they wrote 500. That is not really an error that they made intentionally. It could be intentional. When it becomes intentional, then it is fraud. But if it is an error, or when it is not intentional, then we can say it's an odd error. Now, so what is the auditor's responsibility in relation to fraud and errors? The auditor's responsibility to fraud and errors include the fact that when the auditor is planning the audit, the auditor must access that the risks of fraud and error may cause the financial statement to contain some material misstatements. So based on this risk assessment, the auditor must design the audit in such a way that he will be able to obtain some reasonable evidence and also to be able to detect those material misstatements that will be arising from fraud and errors. Remember, it is not the responsibility of the auditor to detect errors in the financial statement. This is what we call the audit gap. 
which we'll be looking at later on, which you look at in level two. There is something we call the audit gap. That is the audit expectation gap. That is what uh, stakeholders expect the auditors to report on and what the auditors actually report on. So the shareholders or the stakeholders want to hear that, hey, management did this, management did that, management did this, management did that. But the auditors bring the audit report and they say, oh, everything is okay. Then they are like, are you sure? So that audit gap is there. So the auditor is not really expected to report on it. But when the auditor is planning his audit, he must design the audit in such a way that he will be able to detect any material misstatement in the financial statement that may be arising from fraud and error. And as I said, for instance, if there is any scheme in the organization like share-based payment in the organization, then that may lead to some fraud, that may lead to some material misstatements in the financial statement. So we have to audit the financial statement well to make sure that those things don't exist because if management realizes that they are not meeting the objectives of uh, gaining that share, uh, based payment benefit, then they may manipulate the financial statement. Or if management is under pressure, for instance, they have launched products and the products have failed and competition, their, their market is being taken by their competitors, then management may want to undertake some decisions so that they will put back the financial statements or the cash flow of the financial statement into normal. So we spend money, launch a project, or launch a product thinking that we're going to get money from that product or that project but now we are not making money from that project uh, the project failed management will try to manipulate the financial statement so that they can uh, uh, put back the organization to a winning way so we have to detect as auditors when we are planning the audit those events that will are likely to uh, uh, make or bring in some material misstatements in the financial statement that will be arising because of errors or fraud in the financial statement. So that is what we must understand in relation to that. So that is the auditor's responsibility. Now the second question we ask ourselves is, what is the management's responsibility? It is not the auditor's main responsibility to detect fraud and errors, as I've mentioned earlier. But it is the management responsibility to detect fraud and errors in the financial statement, right? So the responsibility for the prevention and detection of fraud and error is with management and those charged with governance. So the head of errors department and the board of directors, they are responsible for preventing the fraud in the first place, preventing the errors in the first place, and also detecting the errors of fraud in the organization. Now, they should create a culture of ethics and honesty within the organization. The culture should be active and to reinforce an oversight by the, by the management and those charged with what? Governance. In relation to that, two things they can do, considering the potential for controls to be overridden. So management must realize that it is likely that the internal control system that has been in place, there is a possibility that it will be overridden. Like for instance, if we want to, uh, if someone brings money or if someone is owing us, if the, uh, maybe their credit office or whatever goes for the money, it has to be given to the accountant so that the money will be deposited by the accountant and it will be reflected in the books or it has to be recorded. But it is likely or there is a possibility that that thing may be overridden. That the person will go for the money and then will say that he is taking it to the bank straight or he or she, uh, she is taking it to the bank straight up. So it, there is a possibility that that will be overridden in the organization. But we're saying that it is management responsibility to make sure that 
regularly the oversight to check whether everything is doing or is going on well because that could lead to some uh, collusion among employees and that may lead to some effort uh, sorry some fraud which may mean that the material or the financial statement may contain material misstatements and also considering other inappropriate practices so if there are other inappropriate practices like for instance board of directors can say hey uh, send some money from their account into this account we are owing somebody we want to pay them or so anything like that for instance government we are an oil company and we have acquired an oil field and we have to pay some amount of money to you recently there are uh, allegations against shell and about their field that they acquired in nigeria and the concept is that when they acquire the field they have to pay some amount of money to the nigeria government but that money that was paid was not given to the nigeria government but that an individual and the then president was the one who, who has taken the money. So money that was meant for the nation was given to the, an individual. And per the things that are circulating, it is, there is some level of certainty that the management of Shell were aware or the management knew that the money was not going to the coffers of the state but was going to the individual pockets of these two people. So we as a management of the organization, we have to look at any inappropriate practices that may lead to these fraud and errors. And if they are there, we have to make sure that it is not there because that may affect our work. Note, however, that it is more difficult to detect material misstatements arising from fraud rather than errors. You need sometimes when there is error, you can easily detect it because if it is depreciation and they don't apply it well, you can detect it. But if it is a fraud, sometimes it's difficult to detect it. Now, fraud and error or fraud can involve sophisticated and well-developed organized scheme. So a fraud can take a form of forgery deliberate failure to record transactions so deliberately they fail to record the transactions in the book of accounts it is like they are omitting the financial statement or they are omitting the transaction from the books so they have made a sale but they won't record the sale so where is the goods ah we don't know where it is it is fraud so it can take that form then intentional misrepresentation this is where they've made a sale but they said the goods damage or when we were delivering the goods uh, we had an accident and the goods have been damaged, but they have actually sold the goods. So if the goods have been destroyed, then we need to write it off as expenses. That will further decrease the profit and the money has been taken and is being shared among the people who were involved in that activity. So it can take forgery, it can take deliberate uh, failure to record transactions, or it can be an intentional misrepresentation of the uh, items in the financial statement or collusion that is particularly at the management level where management collude and say that hey let's do this let's do that to make some money in relation to that so these are some of the forms within in which um, fraud can take now the auditor's ability to be able to detect fraud would depends on a combination of factors so you as an auditor how you be able to know this is a fraud and how you wouldn't be able to detect that that is a fraud and we just take it on a, a lower pace depends on a couple of factors. One, the skill of the fraudsters. So 
the, if the fraudsters are mastered, masters of what they do, they've been doing it and they've been concealing it over the years, then you are not likely to get it. But if they are amateurs, they don't really know what they are doing or that's the first time they are doing it, then they wouldn't be able to cover it and cover all the loopholes very well. So the skill of the fraudsters will determine whether you can easily find that fraud and get that fraud or not. Two, the frequency and the extent of the manipulation. That is how often it is done. If it is done always, you are likely to catch it. But maybe once in a blue moon, bam, then they do it. And even the extent on the manipulation is there. So that will also determine how you as an auditor can detect such, an, such a fraud. Three, relative size of the amount manipulated. Now the amount involved here. Sometimes it can be a huge sum, bam, once, or it can be some small, small sum, then accumulated to become huge sum. So we as auditors, if we are able to detect fraud and error, the size will also be there. Then the degree of collusion here. The degree of collusion. Now, if the, the thing is, the people involved is the accountants, the accounts department, and then even the people to whom we sold the goods, then we can detect the fraud. So for instance, if the company makes sales, $100,000 to someone, and they have colluded, so the accountants and the sales, uh, the head of the sales department, and then the uh, data to whom we were selling to, we colluded on the customer, we, we agreed that, hey, the thing is $100,000, but we want you to pay $70,000. But this is the trick. We will be bringing the goods, but we are going to report that we had an accident and the goods were destroyed or we were attacked by armed robbers and the goods were stolen, whatever it is. So you're going to pay us 70000 and if they ask you, say that the goods were destroyed and so you couldn't receive the goods. So it's about the degree of collusion. So you realize that we as, an audit, as auditors, when we come and we hear such a story, one thing we want to do is to call the customer. When we call the customer, the customer will also tell us the same story. So if we call the customer, the customer also tells us the same story, then we can detect that fraud. Then we can identify that fraud. But if it is between only the accountant and then the head of the department, the sales department, then if we call the customer, we call the customer, the customer is not aware of that collusion. So the customer may be able to tell us something which will lead us to be able to find out that this is a fraud and so we will report it or that has affected the financial statement. So that is also very important. Then the next one is about the seniority of those involved. That is those involved is very important. If it's about a CEO of the company or the board chairman or the board members that are involved in the fraud issue, it determines. Normally if it is employees, you can easily catch them, but if it is the head, they know about all the loopholes that they can cover so that a fraud cannot be detected. But it depends. All depends on the skill of the uh, auditor as well and then the uh, professional due care, professional skepticism of the auditor so that he can, uh, the auditor can be able to detect these errors or these fraud. But these are how things are designed so that you may or may not be able to detect the error. But always, as auditors, when we are carrying out our audits, remember one of the audit procedures we undertake is um, in inquiry. Inquiry. So one of the audit procedures is inquiry. So the auditors must always inquire of management about fraud in the organization. Now, you see, 
management because they are supposed to prevent and detect fraud they have to undertake risk assessment all the time in the organization even though as auditors also when we are about to undertake our audit and when we are planning our audit we will do risk assessment and talk about issues such as um, um, audit risks, talk, talk, talk about issues such as inherent risks, uh, detection risks and control risks to identify these risks the management must also make some risk assessment or undertake periodic risk assessment so that they can assess to see any issue or fraud within the system or in the financial statements of the organization. So we as auditors must inquire from management whether they have undertaken such uh, risk assessments so that if they have undertaken and they have probably identified some material uh, misstatements due to fraud, then we want to find out the nature of the fraud, the extent of the fraud, and even the frequency at which these assessments are being undertaken. So if throughout the years, throughout the year, management does once, that is only one risk assessment, then we may be questioning, we may be questioning about it, and we may look at it, but if they do it maybe quarterly, uh, or something like that, or even monthly, the frequency of it will help us to determine and also inquire if a fraud is identified so that once the fraud is identified which is going to affect the financial statement then we will have to look at the nature of it to see if it will have material effect or if it will have any material effect that is the materiality of the fraud then also the extent of the fraud to see how it is going to impact upon the organization so if management is undertaking this uh, uh, risk assessment, let's look at the procedures that they are going to use to identify and respond to the fraud within an organization. One, specific risks identified by management. So through risk assessment, they can identify some specific risks that, that is going to lead to fraud or that is going to lead to errors in the organization. Ricks brought to their attention by others. So sometimes the, we have something called whistleblowing. For instance, there is a system in place by the organization that if you see somebody engage in an attitude like this, embezzling funds, stealing funds, or you see some people coming together to try to do something, come and report it to us. So if anyone has reported such a case to the management, then the management will be able to identify that error and then undertake the various procedure various forensic audits in order to be able to uh, understand and uh, respond to the risks that that fraud is going to be bringing. Third, the classes of transactions, the account balances, the disclosure for which a risk is likely to exist, communication by those charged with management with corporate governance concerning the processes adopted for the identification and the response to risk. So we have to look at the classes of transactions within which fraud and error, fraud usually is likely to take place. Like for instance, will it take place in assets? Will it take place in income? Will it take place in expenses? Is it likely to take place in our revenue or our sales figure? Is it likely to take place under purchases? So we have to look at the classes of the transactions that's from which uh, it is likely that there is going to be what, some fraud there. Then the next one is communication by management with employees concerning their view 
about business practices and ethics. Sometimes one way that management can also be able to identify and prevent risks is to have meeting or hold a meeting with the employees of the company so that they ask their view about the practices and then the behavior of the company. At these forums, people are able to voice out and say, okay, the last time I saw the accountant saying this, or I heard the accountant saying this, the last time I saw that uh, instead of the accountant signing the check, the uh, accounts clerk was signing the check. All those things will be able to come up and we can be able to identify some fraud in that case. Then, discussion with the internal auditors. So, the internal auditors are there for this job. This is really the job of the internal auditors, assessing the risks of fraud and material misstatement in the financial statement. So, discussions must be held periodically with the audit, internal audit department, which is going to be part of the audit committee and internal auditors so that they decide or they see whether there is anything that may suggest about fraud or errors in the financial statement. Now, so when we realize that there is a fraud, what are the things that must be done in relation to that? So procedures when there is an indication that fraud or error may exist. One, when the auditor becomes aware of information which indicates that the existence of fraud, the auditor should abstain or should obtain an understanding of the nature of the event and then the circumstances in which it has occurred. Then the auditor should also obtain some understanding on the effect of that fraud on the financial statement. So when the auditor detects or realizes that, okay, this is a fraud, there was a sales and it has been reported that the goods were damaged, but the sales actually take place. Then the auditor may have to understand how the audit has occurred, who are involved in the audit, then also what is the effect of that on the financial statement. So if a sales was recorded rather as an expenses, that means it will reduce our profit. So what we're going to do is that we're going to double that figure and also treat it as what a sales so that it will now reflect in the financial statement. I hope you understand what, what I did, like correction of errors and suspense accounts, level 1 accounting or uh, level 100 if you are doing degree or BSc in accounting or BA in accounting. Two, the auditor should document their findings and communicate them to the appropriate level of management. That is very key. Once you identify the fraud, uh, document your finding. One of the key things we'll be looking at in uh, auditing or we have to understand in auditing is about documentation because before you can issue an audit report you have to issue the audit report from the evidence you've gathered the evidence you gathered at the end of the day will be dependent on the things you wrote down so every finding that you found must be communicated to the directors or the audit committee about the fraud but there are sometimes when certain frauds may have to be reported straight to the to third parties that is we may have to report it to regulatory bodies or we may have to report it to maybe the tax authority or maybe the uh, environmental protection agency or whatever it is but in making such a decision the auditor must be careful in relation to that the auditor cannot just get up and say that uh 
we have identified a fraud, so we are going to report it to the Internal Revenue Service, or we are going to report it to the EPA, or we are going to report it to the Institute of Chartered Accountants or to the Bank of Ghana. The auditor cannot just get up and do that. Before the auditor reports any issue about fraud to third parties, the auditor must first seek legal advice. Now, based on the legal advice, the auditor will conclude whether he has to what, uh, take or report to the third parties. Now, there is a key word here called public interest. Now, based on the legal advice, if the auditor concludes that it is in the public interest or it is good in public interest that we report on that fraud, then the auditor may report to the third parties. But then, before the auditor even reports that to third parties, the auditor must per seek permission from management, ask management, have they reported this fraud to the Internal Revenue Service? Maybe because of that sales fraud, uh, our profits reduced, so we didn't pay the tax that we are supposed to pay. Okay, so have you reported this case, which you have found out to the Internal Revenue Service? They said no. Okay, we are going to report to them. Are you okay about that? Or we are giving you time to go and report. If they don't report, then we will have to go and report. But if we see management behavior and we see that the integrity of management is doubt, then we can go ahead and report to the third parties. Now, you must understand that there is nowhere in the uh, international uh, audit standards or nowhere in the issue about auditing that the word public interest have been Explain. So we're going to use judgment to discuss what uh, public interest is about. So the following matters should be taken into consideration when deciding whether a disclosure is justified in public interest. So there are some guidelines that will give us that to decide whether this thing is in the public interest so we need to report it to a third party. The first one is the extent to which the suspected or actual fraud is likely to affect members of the public. So will the fraud affect members of the public? And if it will affect the members of the public, what is the extent that it will affect the members of the public? So for instance, Shell and the Nigeria government issue that I was talking about. You bought an oil field, you need to pay some money. You pay the money, but the money was not given or was not paid into the national coffers, but rather was given to individuals. So if you're an auditor and you realize this fraud, it is going to affect the whole populace of Nigeria, right? Because that money could have been used to uh, provide some infrastructure facility or used to meet uh, any need uh, for the citizens. So the extent to which that fraud is going to impact on the public, we will determine whether it is good in the public interest. Two, whether the directors have rectified the matter or taking or is likely to take effective corrective action. So we have to also ask ourselves whether management have rectified the issue. Okay, there is an error that has occurred. Have you confirmed or have you corrected it from the uh, 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 revenue authorities? Have you corrected it from the EP? Have you corrected it from the government? Has management making any effort, have made any effort in correcting the error or the fraud that has been occurring or that has taken place? If management have not taken any corrective action, then management by themselves are fraudulent and their integrity is uh, in question, 
right? Once their integrity is in question, what we do is that we can report it to any third party based on legal advice, either to regulatory bodies or either to any uh, people that we need to report to. Third, the extent to which non-disclosure is likely to enable the suspected or the suspected fraud to reoccur. So, if it is likely that if we don't talk about this fraud issue, then it will serve as a guide and people will continue to undertake such a fraud, then we have to report on it. So, we need to determine the extent to which this thing is likely to affect continuous fraudulent behavior and actions in the organization. Next, the seriousness of the matter. The seriousness of the matter. Possibly if the fraud is engaged by maybe a supervisor of the organization or an account clerk, it may not be too serious like when the fraud is involving the board of directors, the CEOs, or major department heads. So it depends on the seriousness of the matter that is the people that are involved. Then the last one is the weight of the evidence and the degree of the auditor's suspicion that there has been an instance of fraud. So the evidence that we have gathered, what is the weight of the evidence? In other words, based on sufficiency and based on appropriateness, what is the weight of the audit evidence that, for instance, if we take the issue to the outside world or we report to third parties, we can provide that evidence and it will show that truly there has been some fraud. So these are the issues that you must understand when we talk about fraud and errors. Remember, management is responsible to prevent and detect errors through the preparation or making of uh, risk assessment, regular risk assessment. But the auditor must is not responsible to detect and prevent errors, but the auditor during the planning of the audit must access the risk of material misstatements and in the financial statement that may arise due to errors and fraud in the financial statement at the planning stage so that it will help the auditor to gather sufficient and appropriate audit evidence in issuing an appropriate audit report. Now let's look at professional liability. An audit firm owes a duty of care to their client, that is the entity. So fundamentally, the audit firm owes a duty of client, sorry, a duty of care to the entity. In other words, if you prepared, if you issue an audit report that we are not satisfied with, or you issue an audit report that later on we realize that the company is not representing 